forever. Is Caswell. And you are listening to another, hopefully another edition of It's a Mess. Yeah, so listen and subscribe so we can change your life every single week. Yes, Queen. Caswell, how are you? I'm really good because my best friend is actually in Los Angeles. <laughs> I know. We are rarely at due to the, the magic of I can't say movies, but magic of podcasts. Y'all would probably never know the difference, but we usually don't record this in the same room. And so today we are in the studio here at Forever Dog in Los Angeles together. All right. And thanks to the magic of airplanes, you got your ass to Los Angeles. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, it's always good to see you here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Are you enjoying LA? I am mostly, yeah. I realize. <laughs> I'm finally getting used to the different neighborhoods in LA. All right. That they're Same. just so very different. And so downtown is a very specific feel, especially late at night. Um, and I think I'm more privy to, um, this is going to sound so like bougie, but I really do like Santa Monica. Really? Yeah. It's chill. It's what I think of when I think of California. When I think right. of California, I want. You know, palm trees I and agree. just a beach I agree. and a nice house and a and a, you know, surfers and things. I don't want Twilight Zone downtown. Exactly. When I first <laughs> moved here, when I first moved to LA, was like, oh, move downtown. It's so much like New York. First of all, it's not. It's not like it's all. like hell. Exactly. And not only that, but <laughs> I, if I'm gonna live in Los Angeles, I want palm trees. I want a pool. You know. I, li- I live up near Runyon Canyon, so I really like it. I okay. like it. I'm happy. I'm happy nice. right now. Yeah. Nice. I'm happy well, that you're here. And we're gonna I'm happy to be it. here in your home town. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so what have you been up to? Um, I shot a video for my song Duolingo, which will probably be out around the time that this episode airs. Uh, I'll tell you right now that I had all, I got, uh, the whole concept of the video is uh, gay for pay lap dance bar. And so I got about 14, 15 lap dancers and about five or six, maybe seven customers, which typically is the ratio of a lap dance bar yeah. if you've gone to them. So, and what I did was I had all of the dancers learn me and Tom Bike's lyrics is a song I did with my boy Tom mm-hmm. Bike, and half the song is in Spanish, half the song is in English, and so I, I had them all learn the lyrics and lip sync. And I thought when I did this that having other guys lip sync my song would really like be an opportunity for me to like let go of my ego and me not be in front of the camera. But it's actually <laughs> inflated my ego just to see all these hot guys lip sync my words. Uh-huh. So, but it's I, I'm really excited. It's it's good. I'm only in the video for about eight seconds, but I wanted to try something different, and I guess it's my George Michael freedom moment to have okay. everybody lip sync. Yeah. So I'm, I, I don't know. I haven't even started the editing yet, but <laughs> but you know I'm sure I, I'm gonna think it's gonna be the best video I've ever made. But whether or not, uh, have you knows. ever had a lap dance? Yeah. Have you ever paid for a lap dance? No. <gasps> I've oh. never paid. But there was a lap dance place. There's a place, uh, Fairy Tale Lounge, in New York City. I oh, used yeah, to DJ there, like I think Friday nights, and there were a couple nights a week that they had uh, lap dance bar. But I would go there and. I was just offered some free lap dances, but nice. I, I never paid. Like twenty dollars a song is a lot for me. So yeah, yeah. Well, I've never. I have had a birthday lap dance once. Okay. Yeah, by Eddie Danger. I don't know who that is. <gasps> Shade. Do you know. watch Hey Queen? He's yeah, the, I watched the, some episodes the, of Hey Queen. Like one of the hot boys on Hey Queen that like come out and give lap dances to the queens on the couch. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Then I probably see him. Just didn't know his name. 
So enough about your lap dances. Let's solve the world's problems. Let's do it. So for those of you that are listening, uh, this is super easy. We uh, we are an advice show. We are not licensed. We do not have uh, that much qualifications. We have a lot of experience. And so if you would like your question read on air and like us to give you advice, it's super simple. You just go to our It's a Mess podcast Instagram, uh, click the email button, and you will uh, just submit a question. And we may read your question on air. But honey, you better be following us because if you are not following us on Instagram, then we are we not going to answer you. your question. And we check that <laughs> shit. All right. So let's go into the first one. First question right now. Cue music. Dear Kaz and Pep. I'm the mom of a four-year-old boy who loves to wear skirts and bedazzled shorts. I don't think he's trans. He just loves the way they look. I let him pick his own clothes. We live outside a college town where a boy in a skirt isn't weird, so I don't worry about what people might say to him. Unfortunately, we live in a rural area and will start at a school next year where I do worry about not just the other students, kids being terrible in general, but also the staff. Do I tell him he can't wear certain items to school? Do I let him wear what he wants and then fight the comments? Mm -hmm. I want to be supportive. And I think limiting what certain people can and can't wear is really ridiculous. However, if I can protect him from some bullying just by telling him skirts are for weekends, should I? Signed, Remy Teramisu. Sidebar, in case you didn't know, when people don't give us a fake name, we're giving them the first name of a rapper and the last name of a dessert. So this lady is a Remy Teramisu. Did I say I that? like it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did you say what? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, Remy Tiramisu, uh, I love that name. It makes me hungry, first of all. Uh, I think for, kudos to you for, I'm really happy that this seems like it's a, it's a kind of, a, it signifies that we're in a new era and a new age. Because if this was 10 years ago, the parent would be like, how do I get my kids to blah, blah. And so it's, it seems like, you know, you're pretty woke. Um, but I, uh, I don't know. I think it's still a sensitive and really tough topic when we talk about gender and parenting these are two things that are like kind of tough to kind of figure out um and so number one i do think that uh kudos to you for creating an environment that your kid feels comfortable um in you know kind of expressing themselves and you know dressing up and you're right it may not until you get kind of some of the some more significant signifiers you might not know uh, that this child that your child is trans or non-binary right. or something in between or or both um, but I do think it's important that we are very careful not to you it doesn't take a like a huge like burning of all the clothes to get your kid to 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 discourage them from wanting to express themselves all it takes is a couple of Mm, let's not do that. If if your child f- sees or feels or gets any kind of a signal that something that they're doing could be disappointing to you, um, then you'd be surprised at how much they will start to self-edit, even on a subconscious level, right. self-edit and, and kind of self-correct and self-police themselves out of exploring who they are. And I think this is the perfect time to do it. If they go to school and, and they get bullied or, or worse... Then they need to. Then what's important is that they have your support, and that you can go in with the administrators and, you know, 
bull, there's no excuse for bullying. It's, it's, it should be against school rules. Right. And so I say, let your kid, you know, um, dress how they want to dress. And I'm using, I'm trying my best to use gender neutral pronouns because I know that she said it's her son, but just to create I think when it's when you get somebody that's gender nonconforming or gender variant, it's important that you show that you're ready to create space. Right. So that they have room to grow. Right. Like if it's a plant or a little fish, it's not going to grow if you keep it in a little thing. So you have to create that space. So I'm creating that space. And maybe you can do that, too, and start to show ways that you can remove gender from different things. Maybe there's no such thing as boy clothes or girls clothes. Maybe there's no such thing as, a boy, as pink, or, you know, girl color, boy colors. Um, just to show that there's you're open and that you're communicating on a subconscious level. Hey, I don't know what you're going to choose and whatever you decide is fine, but... I'm happy with either or both or all of it, and I'm creating room for you. And so we're going to get rid of the gendered thing, and you can wear whatever you want. And anybody that messes with you, I'm going to... That's what it should be. Well, I'm focusing more on the fact that her child should be the one that makes that decision, and her child is going to make that decision. A lot of it might be based on how he is treated in school. I'm saying he because he hasn't come out as trans yet, just because I would prefer to use a pronoun right now. But he hasn't come out as trans. They is a pronoun. Okay, they, but, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to do what's easiest for me right now and not fuck up, but I don't, I don't, mm. I feel like you should kind of like lead the child in there. So maybe rather than on the first day of school, he wears the bedazzled shorts, like he wears like the pink shorts or the pink pants. And then he gets a little taste of what type of verbal abuse he might get. He might not, but he might get when he goes to school. This does trigger a memory for me that I think is really okay, important. Okay, speak on it. Okay, well, when I, I remember I was in fifth grade and I had these gym pants that were two colored. Looking back, they were, <laughs> you know, there was really nothing too flamboyant about them. But, you know, this was the 80s and I was in school. I was in fifth grade. So I remember struggling with myself, but am I going to wear these school? Am I not going to wear these school? And my, my mom grabbed me by my grab. My mom grabbed me by the wrist and she pulled me into the full length mirror. She goes, are you OK with what you are wearing? Forget everything else. And I said, yeah, he, she goes, this is what you're wearing to school today. So I went to school that day and I remember there were a couple kids that laughed at what's what I was wearing. They says, oh, those look like clown pants, you know, and then based on my experience, I made the decision of whether or not I was going to wear them to school again. I think I made them into shorts. Designed. I okay. made them into shorts. <laughs> okay, so you still you you you, you insisted, and yes, you're like, well, the, these things are going to get in the school. The important part was that I made the decision, and that my it was important to my mom to that I did what I thought was the right thing to do. Look, I, I completely support that, and I don't think at this point, I don't think either one of those two things is wrong. But I think if you are making room, like it's it's the child is not going to the child. I think it's one of two things is going to happen that the child is going to go to school and in, in a little bit of glitter because right. the, the child is going to get teased. You don't have to be wearing Kids pink are pants. Assholes. You're going to get teased. You could get teased just for your mannerisms. You could be wearing the identical thing that all the other kids are wearing. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's a little bit of pink shorts or the whole extravaganza, <laughs> you know, the child may be getting teased. Right. And so then one of two things is and based on my experience, is bound to happen. Either the child is going to wear this little thing, this little signal to to school and get teased and not they're not going to want to get teased again. So then they're going to be like, I better never wear, regardless of how I feel, I need to just wear what won't get me teased. Right. That's the one choice. Right. And then, and then they do that every day through high school until they're an adult and then they decide, I'm in pain, I can't do this anymore, I need to come out. 
That's what most of us have done right. because we've gotten teased and the entire system is set up to be like, well, let's whatever, however you're feeling, let's just not get you teased. So wear the uniform, act like a boy, put on the blue. We know you like to be like this, but act like that. And that's what you're learning when you go to school and, and you're like, I just don't want you to get teased. And so... I think what we there's another alternative to that. Let's challenge the system. Let's follow the steps of what Jazz Jennings' parents did. And they right. say, let's dress you how you're going to dress. You're going to wear that dress, and the, you better do it up. And if the kids have a problem, they can deal with me. Right. And then they need to change, right. not you. You don't need to self-edit. And I think that's where we need to be going. Right. And the, the positive element that can really come out of this is whether her son is trans or not, he's obviously a creative, and he obviously thinks differently. And I think that when Amen. he goes to school— yeah, he's going to attract the bullies that don't relate to that, but he is also going to attract the other creatives in his Who class do? and in his school, mm-hmm. and that's the most important thing. So whether or not, you know, that happened for me and a lot of the kids in high school is like when you start going to drama class, you start doing mm-hmm. going to art class, you start like painting and things like that. So I feel like he's re- the, when you do separate yourself from the other kids, you 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 attract the kids that can relate to you. Can you please not try to make a statement? <laughs> So, so I, I say, I say, I say, go for it. Maybe make a slower transition. Maybe your first day of school, don't maybe not the bedazzled clothes or things like that. But just like you know, but whatever, whatever her son feels comfortable wearing, wear to school. But maybe like maybe slightly the toned down version, just because this is his first year going to public school. He's only four years old, so he can get a small taste of what's to come. But rather than a big shebang right at first. Also, I just want to say that. If you are questioning whether or not your child is trans, there are great podcasts that you can listen to so that the, so that maybe you can relate to. There's this is really great one called um, How to Become a Girl or How to Be a Girl that I started listening to. And it's really – the podcasts are just in about like seven to ten minute segments. So I, w- I would say listen to that podcast and other podcasts and t- talk to parents of trans kids if you start to think that maybe your son is trans but he's not coming out to you about it yet just to talk about signs. Yeah, really. Resources are important. I think it's the bottom line is it's a good idea to a look at some resources on your own. Use Google. Google can be your friend. Let it lead you to. She open twenty four seven. She she do be. Uh, uh, look up some some resources. Um, uh, there are a lot of resources for parents who are uh, raising gender variant kids, and that mm-hmm. podcast being one of them. And then. Aside from that, seek out other parents who are also kind of dealing with the same thing or who mm-hmm. have dealt with it. And they can show you, oh, this worked for us and this was great. And, you know, some things may or may not work. But um, not feeling alone and kind of figuring it, feeling like you have the pressure of your right. ch- child's future in, on your shoulders when you're just figuring out what they're going to wear to school is probably going to be helpful. Right. You know, um, and whatever you do, it's not going to be life and death, but just try your best to err on the side of allow assume that your child could be trans because mm-hmm. that is going to be more crucial right then if they're not then it doesn't matter anyway right you know all that's right what I well i hope we helped you remy tiramisu remy tiramisu oh, it, was hungry. A pleasure. it was a pleasure <laughs> answering your questions we move on to question two thank you cue music dear pep and kaz I am a 20-year-old gay man, and I need advice on something pretty personal. I I grew up being abused and bullied by a relative of mine who is around the same age as me. 
As kids, he would hit me with things, throw around homophobic jabs, gaslight me, the, the whole package deal. This abuse has affected me so deeply that I feel triggered if I witness similar behavior in public, like at the grocery store. And I haven't been bullied by this person in almost a decade. Um, so here's the, the main issue. Since we're related, we still see each other quite often. And this person supposedly doesn't remember any of the bullying. It sucks that they deny any wrongdoing, but above it all, we're still able to maintain a family bond. We have similar interests, we joke, and when we do see each other for whatever family gathering, we are actually able to have a lot of fun. The problem is that the abuse went on for years and it only stopped recently, so it feels pretty fresh to me. I feel that they want to move on and show that they've grown out of their abusive tendencies and I want to accept that it's all in the past, but deep down, I feel a twinge of schadenfreude whenever something bad happens to them or someone wrongs them. <laughs> should I let the part of my past go or, or should I confront him? Lots of love to you both. Sincerely, Sister Schadenfreude. Jesus. Schadenfreude. 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 All right, Schadenfreude. Sister Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. This brings me back to kids are assholes. <laughs> And kids are assholes and teenagers are assholes. And I think that that is extremely common and is not often brought into your adulthood. Or should I say often that starts to dissolve going into your adulthood and you start to be surrounded by different kinds of people. I'm sure I was a total asshole when I was a kid. As a matter of fact, I know I was. I don't specifically remember giving homophobic jabs or throwing food items at people, but I definitely had my bully moments and I think a lot of people did at times, mostly more in my really, really, really young age. But I don't know if you necessarily have to approach him about it and talk to him about it if you feel he is making the change. So. What's, it's more important that someone's trying to make the change rather they actually like say that they remember it and go through it. It's probably uncomfortable for him to bring up because he knows in his past when he was a kid that he was a total asshole. So he might also not feel like the same person at all. So the fact that you think he's 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 making the moves to show that he's changed the show and to show that he knows he's wronged you in the past, I think matters more than if he says something to you about it. If it's important to you to talk about it, then I think that that you should find a way to do that. I think that you should find a way and say, hey, I, I realize that you've changed a lot. I think I should let you know that you really, you you really did stain part of my childhood and you, you really did fuck up. But I don't, I feel like based on what he's saying, he kind of wants a revenge moment, do you know? So I think that it's probably, it's probably not healthy for the reasons that he wants to do it. I think that he should really just accept the fact that, I'll, I mean, okay, Example number one, like my father was a real asshole to me when he was younger. And then when he got older and, of course, I was out of high school, he I know that he knows that he was a dick to me sometimes. But rather than him sit down and say, hey, when I said this, I didn't really mean it or I was in the wrong or I was uneducated about homosexuality or I was ignorant or I was an abusive father. Not that he was super abusive, but he had a really short temper. Rather than like talking about that, I know that now he's made the changes and I know that now he's a different person. I don't think that every single 
every, every single situation is something that he has to sit down and verbally say to you as long as you know in your heart that he has changed and he's putting in the effort to change, which it looks like he is. So I personally don't think it's necessary for, if, it were, if it was me to sit down and talk about it unless now he's just distant and you have to see him and he, and he gives you the cold shoulder or, now, or if he was still you know, some type of dickhead that was like abusive with comments and still out of line with you, then it's time to sit down, not only with you, but with all the family members and be like, look, this is who I am. This is where it's going in my life. This is what I'm not going to tolerate. Are we in? But it seems like he's really grown into an educated person that that on the very least is educated about like gay issues and feels like an asshole. A lot of a lot of kids, you know, see something different. Where does it say that? What does it say? What that he's educated on gay issues? That, well, it that... seems like it seems like he know he he indicates that he knows that he's wronged him and that he knows that he's grown. You don't see that? Okay, I mean, no, I, I see another thing. So, so now he's he, the, uh, sister Schadenfreude. Am I saying that incorrectly? Mm-hmm. No. Is, is is basically is basically saying that I know that he's changed and I know mm-hmm. that and I know that he's grown and I know he's treating me differently and he sees me as an equal. She's indicating that to me. So I think that I think that if you see that, that's the most important thing. You don't agree? I do agree. I think I mean, I do think it's important to, that someone's behavior changes because actions speak louder than words in most cases. But I think when someone has wronged you and they, you know, change their behavior, it does communicate something, mm-hmm. which is good, mm-hmm. but it might not always communicate the right thing. Okay. And so it kind of says, uh, like, okay, here it is. If I'm, you know, if I broke up some of your, some one of your belongings that was important to you, and then, and you told me, and I knew it was important to you, and I broke it, and I knew you saw it, and then instead of having a conversation, I'm like, and I just switch it out, and here's a new, here's money for a new one. Mm-hmm. I did something to, but I st- it still doesn't ca- allow for any real healing to happen. Okay. And so, what would have been the more healing thing is for me to be like, okay, look, I know, I understand that I broke your thing, right? And I know how important it was for you, to, and, right. and I deserve to hear whatever it is that you have to say about the importance of that. Okay. And so, I think that there's there's two ways to go about it, but I I do think a confrontation. Or a conversation will be more healing in the long run, right? Um, you know, and I I've learned that there were people who bullied me in school mm-hmm. that I was still, um, or and in my family, um, who that I'm still in contact with. That I I'm an adult. I'm living my life. I'm fine. It's fine. But there were those moments where you just realize, oh, here's a t- here's an opportunity for us to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. One of them was with my mother, mm-hmm. and I and I and the. And it came out. Mm-hmm. And it feels so much better now. Right. You know, instead of me just being like, well, she probably didn't mean it. Were you waiting around you know? for her to bring it up to you? Because I No, think that- it just came out of the blue. From her? From my mom. It just came out of the blue. From her? From, oh, from, from who was? Uh, the situation happened. And and I took the opp- I seized the opportunity right. to say, you know what, mom? Well, you know that th- years ago? Mm-hmm. Let me this it, that really did hurt my feelings or mm-hmm. whatever it was. Right. You know, even though she's a different the situation's different now. She wouldn't do that again. I don't remember exactly what it was because it the block had just gone. Right. And so and so yeah, you know, I mean, if if it affected you, if it affects you so much that every time you go in the grocery store, you're still having a 
vision or an episode or a flashback, mm -hmm. then you probably have some some dealing with it to do. Right, right. So, I what mean, is in the grocery store? I'm, <laughs> probably a jar of peanut butter you got thrown at. I don't oh, know. No, I have no idea. But she, <laughs> she didn't get that detailed. But I think I think that I think you are absolutely right. And of course. It would be much more healing if the abuser approached the abusee and mm -hmm. said, hey, when we were 10 years old or when we were teenagers or whatever, yeah. I really did some fucked up shit. I realized that I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that I'm really sorry and I've changed and I'm trying to change even more. So I just want you to know that that would be th that would be the golden ticket. But it doesn't look like that's what's going to happen. I, I think that what's happening is her abuser is just changing and letting her see, look, I've changed. It's probably not going to happen. He's probably not going to feel comfortable enough to sit down. And, and people are, have a really hard time saying when they were wrong and bringing up their past. Also, people separate who they were when they were 12 to who they were when they were 22 and be like, oh, well, we're different people now. But at the same time, the person that was abused is still dealing with those triggers. So obviously, you can't even go in the grocery store. So I think that I think that if it's really important to you, if it's going to help you, maybe you should sit down and say, hey, like, I really see you've changed a lot since we were kids. I want you to know, like, you know, that really did fuck with me. And it fucked with my head, and it, it it definitely had an impact on me when I was trying to come out, or when I was when I was growing up. And I, but I, I I do appreciate the changes that you've made. Have you ever had like a deep moment of apologizing to somebody from the past? Nope. Um, not from like childhood or anything like that. Not really. I don't think I have. I don't think I have either. Maybe maybe there's maybe that maybe I, I should. Don't, I don't. I don't. But I could imagine it being difficult because I would probably feel really ashamed of the things. You know, when when you're growing up and and you know you're hating yourself. You you know a bully is always getting bullied somewhere. So if if that was to happen to me, it, I would really have to reflect back on what I was going through. So it would be a very difficult thing for me to bring up to someone and say, Hey, I'm really sorry about that. Especially if I don't really see them on a daily basis, I would probably just try to make sure that I I treat them really great every time I. See them yeah. and, I, and I try to be tender and close to them and kind of show them how much I've changed and try to reach out to them a little bit more rather than bring it up. So if he's doing that, amazing. That's a huge step. If you need to take the step of bringing it up, yeah, I think you should do it, but I think you should do it in a positive way and be like, hey, like what happened with the way that you treated me when, when we were kids was really fucked up. I just want you to know that I appreciate the changes that you're making. I did. I Actually, I've never had to apologize for anybody, but I do... Not that I haven't done anybody wrong. I just don't remember the need of having to apologize. But I did go back through, like, through my Facebook, through my MySpace, through my Friendster. And, like, <laughs> like you know, back through the, I followed the path. Wow, and went back and um, thanked people who did something small mm -hmm. that, like, I consider life-saving. Right. You know, um, usually in terms of, like, protecting me when I was in high school or, or in grade school or, or lower. Right. Um, and so I think those kind of bringing up those moments from the past, like really are kind of healing for people. So yeah, I, I agree though. I do think that it's a good idea for, to approach it in a, I mean, look, they're, they're not going to, it's not going to be a war. Like they're at the family barbecue together. Right. Um, but if you, if you're, if you, if something is on your mind, that it affects you so much at the grocery store, then I think it's it's time to talk about it. So, yeah, they should talk about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah they should. So let us know. All right. I think we should move on to question numero tres. All right. <laughs> you ready, Kevin? Yeah. 
Question number three. Cue music. Excuse me. <laughs> Dear Kaz and Pep. I'm a 28-year-old female, and I work in the fashion industry in New York City. I've been dating this girl that I met on Instagram for about four months. We have a really amazing time together. We make each other laugh. We have the same kind of dark sense of humor, and we are extremely compatible sexually. Here's where I need your help. My girlfriend is very socially awkward. Whenever I bring her into a social situation with my friends or colleagues, she completely clams up and becomes guarded. She never starts conversation, and when my friends try to talk to her, she just gives one-word answers and gives out a vibe like she doesn't want to be there. I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but she's a native New Yorker from the Bronx, so that might contribute to her hard exterior. When I tell her things like she should engage more in conversation, she just shrugs her shoulders and says, I talk to your friends, I'm fine. What should I do? I don't want to break up with her because I love our alone time, but being around my friends and being in social environments is a big part of my life that I don't want to exclude her from. Both of you seem like you have a pretty big social life, so I figured you would have some thoughts on this. Love, Megan the Cupcake. Mm-hmm. Gosh, all the names are getting me so hungry. I know. I can't wait till six. Megan, the cupcake, you sound adorable. And I I I really love the fact that, you know, Megan is kind of going through it and wanting to um blend her like new family, like her her girlfriend and her friends. Um you know, because that's something that's like, I think a lot of people really compartmentalize. When you get, everybody knows when their friend gets a new partner or boyfriend or girlfriend, then, you know, there they go and you never see them much. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that, that Megan is trying to kind of bring them together, I think is pretty good. Right. Um, I've been in that situation where I've been like deep in the love and like been like, all right, y'all, I'm going on vacation. I'll see y'all in a year, you know, kind of. What do you mean? I've, when I'm when I'm when I've I've been in a situation where instead of having to do the work of like not only introducing my friends but like like if I have my my boyfriend and my best friends there I'm like okay are they having a good time or is, is she, don't is she gonna say something well you feel oh really he didn't mean to do that like you feel responsible and then yeah. as the person in the middle at the dinner or at the event you're not really enjoying letting go and having a good time because you're like back and forth you know. If it's probably the way it would be, like if it was friends and family, uh, a boyfriend and family, or like whatever, you're constantly like hawking. Whereas if you're just with your boyfriend, then you're chill and you're having a good time, hopefully. Right. And so I, th- that's the easier thing to do is be like, I, we ain't going with y'all. I'm going with him. I'll see y'all next time. Right. And so I've done that a lot, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So it, I think that's kind of what the next frontier is for me to be able to like blend those two things together. It's a hard thing to do because your friends probably are not going to get along with your partner right right away. I don't think. This this question (laughs) definitely spoke to me. That's why I picked it. I've dated a bunch of guys that I I could I could think of probably five off the top of my head that I have really great communication with and we have an amazing time together and we always have fun and we like the same movies and the sex is bomb but whenever I bring them into a social situation like when I bring them to a show or when I bring them to a party Mm -hmm. they completely don't know how to talk to anyone and they just sit there and it makes me think shit is this like a different side of them I didn't know about or (laughs) why can't they talk to my friends because my friends are such a huge part of my life but I, um, I honestly think that 
what you should do, and this is probably what would have helped either of my ex-boyfriends, is when you do introduce your boyfriend to your friends, the first time should not be at a party, and it shouldn't be at a wedding, and it shouldn't be in a club. It should be one by one. So let's say I'm dating, this, I'm dating this guy, and let's just imagine that me and Peppermint actually live in the same city. And then the first person I would introduce them to is Peppermint, and I know that Peppermint is really easy to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Not typically. Uh, peppermint's really easy to talk to, and they're going to feel uh, warmth from peppermint, and they're going to po- hopefully feel comfortable with peppermint first. And then maybe the second or third time they're around my friends, the second time might be with peppermint too, then it's with peppermint and another friend, and then it's just two, and then it becomes three. And then the next time they come to a party, they know three people there. So Right. Yeah, there's nothing worse than, and I, I participate in this, I have been a part of the shark girl group club when they bring the, the boyfriend <laughs> over and we're all like mm-hmm. we're eyeballing and making sure you know because we want to make sure that this new blood that the girl that my best friend is bringing over into the group right. is not going to hurt her and like we're just over scrutinizing and everybody can feel that mm-hmm. and that can't feel good he's not going to feel it's just a lot of pressure right you know the worst thing is when you go to a party and you don't know anybody except one person and that one person is your boyfriend and that boyfriend is busy talking to everybody else and they're all have every they all have in jokes and they all refer to people that you don't know so I, that's a really hard thing even the most social person would have a difficult time in that situation and you're already dealing with somebody that's a little shy and not used to meeting new people People. See, if you're dating someone that pretty much, you know, grew up on the, grew up where in New York City, they still live in New York City. They probably, for the most part, surround themselves with the people on their block and the people that they work with, and they're not used to being in the like being in the fashion industry. You are in high intense social situations. If it's like after a fashion show or you go into a club that you're all meeting to, and this is what I'm imagining when she's telling me this, just because we know the club life in New York City, we know like the fashion world in New York City. So I think that stay away from that first like don't introduce your girlfriend to that for like the yeah, first that's, couple I mean that's months. your work life too I mean that's that's extra high pressure because bringing your your partner to your your work function well, like things like that are social but they're also professional right and so that's high pressure that's even extra high pressure that's not, not just, that's just that's not just we're going to the movies with right. my friends so we're going to make sure you're not a bad guy that's like you know you're, that's my best friend and that's my boss and that's Giselle Bunchen. so watch your mouth <laughs> the and- other thing the other thing to really keep in mind on this is that you are probably not the same person in your girlfriend's eyes when you're surrounded by all your friends so you know your girlfriend's used to this lovey-dovey or vibe that you guys have when you guys are alone together yeah. and then when you go into a social atmosphere you'll be like oh hey baby oh hey oh hey oh hey you know she's not used to seeing this so she might not know how to relate to you you when you're in the social atmosphere either so which might make her feel alone so I think that you What's the sh- advice I, the advice is start off slowly introduce to peppermint and then peppermint again and then bring someone else with peppermint and then a third person with peppermint and then they will always feel like they have somebody there that they know don't bring them to a party where there's 200 people they don't know a single person there and you're there acting like somebody they don't completely recognize I think that you should also and to kind of go on top of that maybe you should and you can do dub a twofer. This isn't just you acclimating them into your life. This is also maybe an opportunity 
for them to acclimate you into theirs. Exactly. And so have them bring their friend to your thing that you're all going to. Right. So it's like everyone's kind of getting to know and they can have a friend or a partner two friends whoever to come with okay but let me that also can backfire because I brought boy I've had a boyfriend bring his friend to my house when I was having a gathering in my place and they just like stayed in a corner and talked and both of them were antisocial so if you if he is going to bring a friend make sure his friend is a little bit more open to being in a social atmosphere or else they're both going to claim up together mm-hmm. and it's going to be not only intimidating to them but intimidating to your guests and they're going to have a it's, if, it, if it turns into like a two different click situation that could be even worse I agree. Yeah. That's true. Well, take pictures. We want to know how you all are getting along. (laughs) Um, Good luck at the function, at the picnic, or at the fashion Fashion show. show. (laughs) Uh, We're definitely interested, so make sure you follow up because we want to find out. But um, we are just about out of time. I feel like this was a very serious episode of It's Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we laughed. We had a good time, but it wasn't... Hey, look, honestly, kudos to our writer, our our listeners, to you all um, who have been writing in with the questions. These are some great questions. Keep them coming. And we're really happy and thankful. And for those of you who have not written in to a question, hello, you need to go to our social media. It's a mess podcast on Instagram. Click the email button and um, make sure that you send us a detailed email. Details. Not DM email um, so that we can get you on the air and we can answer your questions and laugh and play. Not laugh at you. Right. But laugh with you. Yeah, and quit sending us questions about, I'm single, how do I meet a man? Signed, lonely. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Honey, us- darling, we don't know, darling. Yeah, give us, give us details, details, details. The more we know, the more we can help help you. It's true. All right. Well, this was another episode of It's a Mess. And thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe. Let us know what you think. And uh, thank you once again. Faces, places, and names were changed to protect the innocent. And the guilty. (laughs) Uh, And in this episode, questions were read by the fabulous Bronnie Milligan and Brian Flores. I love them. They're great. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. See you next week. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.